0: To Two Crickets in a Thorn Tree. It's day two of South Africa's 21 day lockdown, and this is Gabriel Krauser joined with my co host, Nicholas Lorimer. How's it, Nick? Hey, how's it, Gabriel? Yeah, man, hanging in. Uh, This recording. uh, Interesting times. (laughs) Yeah, as the Chinese. um, This recording is slightly delayed uh, for various factors, the most recent of which is that. I just had to try and break up a fight between three dogs and a horse. Uh, I'm you see that story doing my that quarantine. That that
1: story wasn't that interesting until you said the horse bit.
0: <laughs> yeah, dude, it's quite. It's kind of like it's so it's so blissful. Like quarantine, we've come to a, a, a farm. Uh, my sister and her, my her partner live out and work on. And very, very blissful until the city dogs see the big horse and think, "Mm, that's fun to chase around and uh, are blissfully unaware of the power of a hoof to impress a jaw forever in the wrong direction. But we managed to stop that. Uh, Like many things, we hope with our voices we will stop the worst. Um, And, uh, yeah, Nick... I, I suppose has been sneezing a bit yes um, I've been
1: a bit ill and uh, yeah so that's, that's never comforting in a time such as this uh, where you know respiratory tract infections are spreading across the world in the great plague uh, but uh, I'm keeping
0: mostly to myself and not really doing anything he does Nick is drinking from a cup that has Reagan's face on it and it seems to say yeah, which I'm not sure. I think it might mean "relax" in Russian.
1: Uh, so the oh, other side has got on the other side it has got, Go- got Gorbachev, uh, and it says, "Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall." I got it from the museum in uh, Washington DC, which is about like journalism.
0: Hells yeah? Hells yeah? Well, I think that I think that'll be the the nutritious juice that you need to pull through this. So. Yes. Um, I, I I wanted to start this out just by going back to this concept from this philosopher David Lewis, who was one of the top philosophers at Princeton in the twentieth century. He's a really quirky guy, uh, very technical. Uh he's most famous for his book On Possible Worlds, which sort of is a way of trying to understand modal logic, which is the logic of possibilities. And I think that's a kind of logic that we're all uh tuning into, you know you have the lockdown that has direct consequences on the economy but it has this averts this possible world in which the disease just spreads and kills millions of people it stops that from becoming a reality so sort of trying to grapple with how you really navigate modal space logical space to do with the things that don't actually happen but might have happened or might still happen uh you know he's got some ideas then one of the key ideas is epistemic magnetism it's the thought that there are some ideas which uh, without really deserving it become the kind of magnet center that all of the other ideas kind of line themselves up with along, along their wavelength and COVID-19 is definitely that at the moment um, for a lot of good reason it's almost impossible to have a conversation right now without referencing COVID-19. And the good reason is that no one had an opinion about this a year ago. No one had an opinion about this four months ago. And now everyone in the world practically has an opinion on this, whether they think it's super important, whether they think this is just a hoax, whether they think that you've got a lockdown, whether they think you need to go further and have a state of emergency, whatever it is, everyone's, everyone's got an idea. And so uh, that new idea becomes a thing that everything else sticks sticks up against. And we, on this podcast, we would rather not uh, reinforce that Um, unduly, but that's not to say that we don't want to talk about things that are relevant. So, for now, we are going to be talking about COVID-19.
1: will, I will let the listeners know it's also because, you know, it's very difficult to not talk about it, not just because there isn't any other news being reported. I mean, uh, you go out now and try and find something else to discuss that's going on in the world of politics, economics, or anything, and you will struggle. Yeah.
0: Yeah. No, it's 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 cover to cover on pretty much every newspaper. And so I think we're going to go through just a, a few sort of stories that are important and then a few hot takes from people that we know, kind of fleshing out different responses. And then uh, maybe some abstract, uh, some abstract thinking tools that are provided by some some really great philosophers and sociologists to to help uh, keep a good grounding sense of perspective in reason to ground this in reason. Um, but first, but first the hot takes. So my freshest take is uh, here on the farm. What are you going to do for dinner? Well, we went around and we plucked some millets and some edamame, some soybeans, edamame beans that we're going to boil up. And as we were doing that, uh, got a call from another farmer who just went to Botswana uh, two days before the lockdown and was taken straight from the airport to jail, uh, to be in jail for 14 days, uh, because that's that's the sort of, that's the quarantine regime there. Uh, So shout out to any of our Botswana listeners. Hope you're not in jail. (laughs) (laughs)
1: uh yeah no it's it's a bit crazy out there uh you you know not not just in Botswana but here too uh I don't know if you saw today there was and and this has kind of been going around on social media while everyone's locked in their houses but um there was this journalist a news 24 journalist who was walking around the streets of Yeovil where uh, your normal residence is basically and um the police saw them And just started shooting at them. I assume with rubber bullets, but I'm not actually sure. Uh, And they had to gap it into a nearby store. And the police chased after them, caught them, and then said, what are you doing here? And she said, "Um, I'm a journalist, I'm a journalist, here's my press pass. And they said, oh, please keep off the streets if you can. What are you doing here? She said, I'm filming. And they said, okay. (laughs) Jesus Christ. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, the police are... It, it does look like sort of martial law in places like Yeovil at the moment.
0: Yeah. So notes from Yeovil. Um, I've had to leave Yeovil, which I'm very sad about because I think it's going to be a very important place for journalists to be active. But I, was, I did go out every day and every night uh, for, during this week that's just been um, to kind of get a sense of what people's expectations are going into the lockdown. And there was a lot of apprehension. Uh, one of the things is that unlike all of the other supermarket and major grocery store areas that I went to in Johannesburg, the Yoval grocery stores that I went into, the main ones on Rocky Street, all of the ones I went to said that they they hadn't run out of any supplies. And when I asked people, are you, is no one stockpiling, are you not taking this seriously? No, they said, no, 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 we are stockpiling. And I said, well, so you're buying next week's groceries this week? And they said, no, no, no. we." We can't do that. We need next week's money to buy next week's groceries. We only have this yeah. week's money so we can only afford to buy this week's groceries. And I'm saying, are you going to get next week's money? Say no. You know, my 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 the way that I make money is as an informal trader, the way that I make money is as a construction worker, the way that I make money is as a domestic, as a gardener, and I'm not sure that I am going to make next week's money. So, I'm not sure how I'm going to get next week's groceries. So, that was pretty, pretty bleak, actually.
1: Um, yeah, on I think the flip side, that's a story, a story going on across the country at the moment.
0: Yeah. And just to give you some statistics, because, you know, we went into this our first time we talked on the show about the COVID-19 uh, pandemic was in February, I think. Um, and we said, you know, we told the story about uh, uh, Fukushima... The uh, tsunami which then created a a, a disaster, a nuclear meltdown at the Daiichi Fukushima uh, nuclear power plant and uh, that was tragic but then Japan decided to shut down all of its nuclear reactors. And that created a 30 percent, 35 percent spike in electricity prices, which resulted in an actuarial estimate, according to three academics, of an extra 2000 deaths from cold exposure that winter because of the high electricity prices. Uh, and so, you know, the the, the the claim they're making is that more people died of the response uh, than from the actual problem. And so, you know, that's that's something that we've all got to be cautious of in Thinking about the COVID-19 is that we don't compound a, a, a crisis that already exists uh, by overreaction. Uh, uh, and, 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 and to give it a sense of how hungry people are, even when the going is relatively good, uh, 1.7 million children in South Africa have stunted growth because of malnutrition. 3.7 million children in South Africa have anemia due to malnutrition. Uh, and another five hundred thousand are obese due to poor diet, malnutrition, you know poor nutrition. So yeah, we, if you we just really eat have uh,
1: carbs all the time, and not much else. You're not exactly going to be the healthiest person in the world, even if you are. You know, uh, if you do have energy to go through the day, at least. Yeah,
0: and so those people are living hand to mouth, and if the hand that comes to the mouth uh, is empty. Uh, there's really not a lot to go on, and so I think we do have to be mindful. Very trying times, and 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 when you make them more trying, you know, you've you've you've. That's a it's a cost benefit analysis that's kind of impossible to do, but it's something that that uh, you know our policymakers and and we in our capacity as policy advisors, uh, when we're we, during the week rather than shooting two crickets on the weekend, uh, that we have to take seriously <laughs> as well. But yeah. on on a lighter note, um, I. I have no shame in saying that one of the supplies that I was looking to purchase in in Yeovil was marijuana. Uh, I believe that smoking a little bit of the herb once a week or now and then is uh, is good for the soul, good for my soul, well, uh, and relaxing. You know,
1: I mean, anyone anyone who has your haircut and beard, if they weren't smoking marijuana, I would be suspicious.
0: Yeah. <laughs> what? 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 Gimp? Do I have in the basement? If I'm not smoking a yeah, yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> <laughs> or worse so 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 i went to my local rasters that i always buy from and they had no skunk they had greenhouse and they had durban poison but they i assume they still, i assume our,
1: our listeners are not familiar with all of these or at least not all of our listeners are familiar with these things uh what what are the, what are those
0: so the greenhouse is the like indoor kind of more expensive, kind of more uh, Gucci uh, stuff, and the Durban poison is like uh, got a good flavour. It's what most South African most South African outdoor weed is sort of grown in the foothills of the Drakensberg. A lot of it around Msinga and other areas, and uh, and it gets transported to Durban and then taken by cat taxi guys around the country. Um, and it's really good on the, on the together river, there's, there's great floodplains that I've visited, um, and old Gogos uh, tend, tend, the, tend the herb and then sell it off, unfortunately for way too cheap. And it's one of the reasons that I've written and spoken quite a lot about uh, marijuana legalization is that if it's done the wrong way, they just, uh, keep getting almost nothing for the work that they do. And if it's done the right way, they get a better cut the gangsters in the middle get less of a cut uh, you get uh, anyway that's that's a separate story the point of this story is that skunk is why, this why kind of why imp- was the skunk on? well the rest of guy said nah man everybody know the skunk the skunk is the one where the vapors chase away the covid it ch- it's chasing away the covid virus So, so everyone buying the skunk
1: oh well to that's, uh, that's
0: a f- <laughs> that's a big if true claim there <laughs> so, so I'm not sure if I'm not sure if anyone actually believes it, including himself. Um, but definitely every night, every night for the last two weeks, excepting for last Saturday when it rained quite heavily, there have been parties up and down the main streets of Yeovil, the by streets of Yeovil, in particular Wednesday night uh the night before the the, the lockdown there was huge potting and on Thursday people were drinking a lot of it people starting to drink sort of after sunrise just after breakfast like eight o'clock nine o'clock in the morning by 10 o'clock there's drunks stumbling down the streets well, you, you and, and I think it's because people. a lot of it's stress like people know like I have nothing I'm screwed in a week's time and so I've got 300 rand I can try and make it last or I can spend 50 rand of that on the cheapest booze there is, and 20 bucks on a little bit of joint, and kind of blow my brains out because I don't know because I don't know what I'm going to do. I think that's a lot. So, so I've got an interesting story actually, and
1: uh, like always, I'm going to try and uh, shove medieval history into this into this thing. Fantastic. Um, have you ever heard of you ever heard of the dancing plague? it's no. this a uh, series it's a series of outbreaks of a, of a very mysterious disease whose true nature has never fully been discovered or documented but basically what happened was there were some towns in the middle, in the late middle ages where uh, the peasants would just sort of start dancing or there'd be like a party or something and they'd start dancing And they just keep dancing, and people would get sucked in, and more and more people would dance. And it became like this weird herd thing where people would literally dance themselves to death. Um, It was a very curious phenomenon, and it's attested to in multiple sources and happens several times. Uh, I think almost all of them were in Germany, although there may have been some in France as well. Um, But, you know, for for you as medical professionals… They, they've read this and yeah. they've come up with all sorts of different theories. Uh, one of them is that there's a particular type of mold that can grow on badly kept grain that basically produces effects similar to uh, uh, LSD. Um, mm-hmm. But the one of the causes, one of the explanations is that this was also kind of around the time of the Black Death. Uh, When the Black Mm -hmm. Death hit. So after the first wave of Black Death, uh, there's never a huge outbreak again, but there's local outbreaks that keep recurring, you know, every couple of decades. Mm. Um, And so mortality just crashes through the floor. And for like 100 years, from 1350 until 1450, you see no population growth in Europe, basically at all. Mm. Um, And in that time of extreme stress, they think that... Sort of madnesses would kind of take hold of people, and that this was a response to the the great stress of the outside world. So mm. I have a feeling like the Hillbrow parties are a little bit, perhaps, the same phenomenon.
0: Yeah, uh, dude, in Hill in Hillbrow, the parties were even bigger and kind of too scary. Like I've I've for the first time in a long while, I was too scared to walk around. I drove around and I was like, I can't walk and talk because there was like. Quiet, 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 and then like like very dancey, dancey, dancey. But in a way, the scariest. So at least I've got to say in Yeovil, as much as there was partying, it was it was it was quite civilized. It wasn't like after your average. Like the biggest parties I've seen have been during African Cup of Nations. Mm. Yeah, when I was like ten years ago. But in the last five years, the biggest parties have been sort of after African Cup of Nations or World Cup games where South Africa or other African teams have played. Because when South Africa plays, all the guys from Ghana, Ethiopia, Somalia, the Congo, they all choose it. They all choose to support South Africa. Um, and if you've got like Nigeria versus Ghana, the Black Stars against the Nigerians. Then everyone also picks a team, and then there's big partying, and even Kaiser Chiefs or land a pirates. A lot of the foreigners, a lot of the locals really love it. And then you and then you can have like th- kind of two, three days of just like relentless, you know, you it just keeps going, and it's uh, I mean it's quite joyful and it's quite amazing. It's also kind of scary when you think like there's not a lot of disposable income, a lot of this, you know, ah, it's this complicated. Uh, thing, I don't, you know, I don't want to be too bourgeois about this. I definitely spend more of my income on entertainment and travel and fun stuff than than a financial advisor would recommend. Uh, <laughs> so, so I'm to the field. But but so yeah, this, this is, wasn't as much. It's another, another
1: reason. another reason yeah. you should take financial advice from us. <laughs> yeah, but by
0: the way, if you bought gold, uh, you would be pretty happy right now.
1: <laughs> They're selling out. They're selling out of gold. If you bought
0: US bonds and gold. <laughs> Dude, they've run out of bullion in like many places across the world. Uh, but 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 so the scariest things have been two 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 uh, bits of footage that I've seen going around on WhatsApp of people having parties. One was at a Shroka Marine World, I think on Wednesday, where people were kind of in the in the like lagoony pool area chanting Corona. Corona and making like a human chain uh, crawling around in the water and, and jamming it up and singing a song. And it's quite hard to make head or tails of it. I mean, it seems oh at first glance that that people may be afraid and a little bit like discharging the fear. But also like there's a big long holiday coming up for a lot of people, a lot of paid leave. Uh, basically, in the sense that you're not even allowed to, to dock leave days. The government's made it illegal to dock any leave days during this period for non-essential workers uh, and uh, you know various measures have been put in place to supplement people's income. So I don't know how much that has to do with it. I saw another bit of footage. It's hard to tell from where the guy mentions Kaya Licha, where on the side of the street like you're going and there's just cars and cars and cars and he's like, South Africa, I need you to see this. Uh, and then he gets to, the, he's like the youth. There's thousands of youth here, and he gets to the end of the road where all these cars have been parked, and people again, sort of late at night, seem pretty out of it, dancing quite wildly and chanting, chanting Corona. So and, I, uh, yeah, Ooh. it's it's a, had it's a, a, I, you know, as much, as much as I like making light of a heavy scene, it's a, it's a bit much for me to be honest. I can't, uh, it kind of puts me off.
1: So I had a long conversation last night with a friend of mine who's uh, he's an American, but he, he was born in the Dominican Republic, uh, and he's been studying in Spain. And uh, he was just telling me a little bit about the lockdown in Spain and how it had happened. And it had been very much a case of nobody at all took it seriously, like to the extent that, uh, especially where he was studying in uh, Catalonia, the government said, no, we're not doing anything, we're not doing anything, we're not doing anything. And people basically just ignored it. Uh, there was... Parties, everyone was hanging out. The social distancing wasn't really happening. People just thought it was a joke. Uh, like people even refused to wash their hands, kind of thing. It was at a at mm. a level I don't think even South Africa probably has experienced. Yeah. And then yeah. they got hit hard. I think Spain is behind uh, the U.S., China, and Italy. It's like the fourth worst country in terms of infections. Yeah. And the moment it at the moment it got big, they locked it down in the most hectic sort of. Police state, snap back, fashion immediately. Uh, police everywhere. Police drones patrolling the streets. If they see anyone outside, they immediately arrest them. Uh, if they can't provide uh, some sort of paperwork to suggest themselves, um, and he actually left Spain because he said that this was just too intense. So he got his plane ticket and he drove. Uh, he drove to the airport and on the way he was stopped. Uh, and they almost arrested him because he didn 't have one of the pieces of paper, but in the end he kind of managed to charm them into letting him go uh, and He mm. came back to the u s and then had to sit in isolation for for a while um, yeah. but it's pretty it's pretty grim out it 's pretty grim out there um, I would also like to point out just as a brief aside that since we mentioned buying gold on our last podcast, the price of gold mm. has skyrocketed. <laughs> So this podcast moves product. <laughs> yeah.
0: It got the two crickets bump. Gold got the official mm. two crickets bump.
1: Yeah, at, at on the twentieth of March it was at uh one thousand four hundred and sixty eight US dollars I think per ounce.
0: Uh and now it's up to one. Yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> so Yeah. I'm not saying it was us. I'm just saying that we can't rule out the possibility.
0: yeah dude Um, oh man spain spain is spain is heavy i've got a friend in spain who's a guitar teacher and he there ain't no money coming into him he you know it's it's looking like all it's looking like he's falling through all of the cracks and it's tough but he's i mean yeah i it's not to say that that isn't uh A cost that he considers possibly being worth it, uh, depending on the epidemiology. Uh, But it is to say, you know, this—the thing about this virus is it's got victims on either end, right? It's got—it's like it hits the sick. It also hits the uh, the 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 precariat, as we call it, people whose financial status is precarious, even if they are kind of pulling off middle class lived experiences. One thing to note that's kind of distressing. Like, I woke up this morning uh, to to learn that South Africa's death rate by Corona had just halved. uh, Yeah, because yesterday we all went to sleep. Yeah, two corona deaths last night, one corona death this morning because the 28-year-old, it turns out, hadn't been tested for corona. And and when the test came through, he was COVID negative. And the other COVID death had a pulmonary embolism before the coronavirus. So it's not clear. So this is going to be – this is such an interesting South African situation because if you go back a couple of decades when HIV-AIDS really was becoming a global story and was starting to get pandemic status – in the in the sense pandemic just, you know, sort of means like a virus that's just, that's that's gone worldwide it's all and is dead. yeah. Uh,
1: it's yeah. active on multiple continents at the same time, I think is the definition.
0: Yeah. Is the technical. Yeah. So when that happened, there were there there really was this problem where people were being diagnosed. The first problem was people were being reported as having died of AIDS in small villages in Uganda and the Congo and Tanzania and somewhat in South Africa. And then later on elsewhere although they'd never been tested for AIDS there is just this thought that you know if someone expresses these kinds of symptoms then it's a good enough it's likely enough that they've died of AIDS that you can just say they've died of AIDS then people went in with the test kits and they were like no turns out a lot of people that you're saying are dying of AIDS aren't dying of AIDS then people report on that story and then it's like ah is that really the kind of story you want to report because right now we need everyone to take this very seriously uh, and if you say it's not as bad as we – as the established narrative is, then you might be encouraging people to have unprotected sex, to continue to visit brothels and so on, and that's what's spreading the virus. And we need to fear people into good behavior. And then the yeah, next to be, problem – to be fair, for, so
1: we're, we're, I mean, obviously, you, you want to connect this to to what's going on now with COVID, right? That uh, despite the fact of how bad the data is, people are having a difficult time criticizing any kind of response that the states might be taking, uh, because everyone says, "Yeah, but if you if you criticize at all, even if it's a measured criticism, it will be used as a excuse to do nothing, rather than Correct. just uh, something different." And um, I must, be, I must be honest, I've seen a lot of people use, so I don't know if you saw the Imperial College uh, study, which yeah. is very impactful on how the UK was doing it. They had several yeah. projections and they said the do nothing projection was going to result in 500,000 deaths or something like that, it might have been 200,000. And then they said, but now that we've done extreme social distancing and a sort of partial lockdown in the UK, we're only going to have 20,000 deaths the media has reported it so shockingly terribly that uh, it was reported as um, projections of deaths revised down to 20,000. Now, that's kind of technically true, but it sort of gives the impression, like they said they, they made a mistake in their original one, and now they're admitting yes. that they overstated the case. And I saw a lot yes. of people online using that to say, ah, you see, this is all ridiculous. We, we shouldn't be doing anything. We should just let the whole thing run its course. It's not as bad as flu. Uh, I think Ann Coulter on of American fame she's an American uh, pundit very famous on being anti immigration has yeah. been very aggressive in bashing on about how this is just the flu
0: and there's absolutely nothing to worry about um, right so it's hugely important and this is why this is why I started us out with David Lewis it's you've got a you know uh, the technical term is etiology the history of causation so you have no understanding of the real probability tree, unless you can sort of trace back and see the branch that we're on, the reality that we're in, where did that reality come apart from alternative possible realities and what was the decision that was made there or what is the pertinent fact that made that reality, the reality we're in. So if the pertinent fact is you figured out that the virus is not nearly as deadly as you thought, then that's one thing. If the pertinent fact is that we made a decision collectively, as it were, as human beings, or as I might say, if the esteem economy was redistributed so that suddenly you get a lot more likes for staying at home, and FOMO is no longer like a compelling motivation to go out everywhere all the time whenever you can, in, con- in concert with travel bans and so on. In, in short, the implementation of social distancing, if that's the pertinent fact, then that's, you know, the, that's what matters. That's the thing to learn from. And if you allied that, you you're not you're not putting away panic. You're just putting away reason. You're putting away the case history. It's the same as like um, back in the day people didn't you know, they would there were before germ theory there were all kinds of theories about how we die. And people are like pulling blood out of out of uh uh overactive yeah, people to, to balance and- to balance
1: your humors and uh also they thought that uh, disease spread through bad smell through uh, miasma i think that is what the yes. name for it was um exactly. so this is a uh, that's actually why people in the middle ages went to great lengths to make themselves smell really good because they thought they would literally be
0: spreading disease if they didn't smell good and if you've got the wrong etiology I mean if you're doing something that's not actually changing stuff in fact if you're doing something like like pulling blood when you shouldn't be pulling blood when someone's already got uh, a, a weakened immune system then you you're yeah. adding to the problem right yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah so so you've really got to be careful of like distinguishing between between as you say uh, the 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 effects the, the downward effect on COVID's uh, morbidity and mortality rates that are human-caused versus the downward effects that are caused by a re-evaluation of the virus itself's lethality. Uh, and, yeah, I don't, I, a lot of people are not doing great on that. I just want to get back to the AIDS thing because I think this is going to be part of – this is going to be very difficult, and people should be aware of this. When you, If you're reading or listening to anything about COVID uh, deaths – You have to be conscious of the fact that uh, we've got a similar problem to what we had with AIDS. So the first AIDS problem was saying people have AIDS when they don't have AIDS or HIV. Then the second problem is an overcompensation. Now, if someone dies of TB, like 20 years ago, someone died of TB and the guys in charge, particularly in South Africa, wanted to say that HIV and AIDS weren't a big deal uh, 10, 12 years ago, then they would try, as they might, to report that death as being a TB death and not an AIDS death. Yeah. Now it is true that if you're perfectly healthy, you can die of TB. But if you're perfectly healthy and young, and you have access to medicine, you're very, very unlikely to die of TB. TB's uh, case fatality ratio in advanced countries for uh, you know most people is 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 low, it's like not quite flu low but it really is, is getting close to that. Whereas TB's yeah. case fatality ratio in South Africa is around 10% and that's because, not because we're a particularly old country, TB mostly kills the, the, the very elderly in other countries. Here it's because we have so much HIV. If you've got HIV and then you get TB, then you're much more likely to die. So then you can overcompensate by saying it's just a TB death, it's not an HIV death, and you kind of become an HIV denialist. And then finally, the kind of happy middle is when you get actuary statisticians, virologists and epidemiologists figuring out how to kind of pass apart the data so that you can understand uh, who, the who different influences yeah. and the different weightings. Not everyone who dies of TB. If someone who's 85 and smoked two packs of cigarette all their lives dies of TB and also happen to have HIV then that's like much less of an HIV death than someone who's 40 and has lived a pretty healthy life, but has HIV and then contract CV and then dies. So that's like quite a hard and complicated thing to do. And it's something that we in South Africa clearly have practically not begun to do because we completely screwed it up on the 28 year old who didn't have COVID at all and, and half screwed it up on the person who had a pulmonary embolism already. Um, and and so you've got to just remember, just be mindful of that challenge. That it's a challenge uh, to understand comorbidity. If someone already has cancer and you know the doctor said your prognosis is you're going to die in three months, and then they get COVID and then die in a month instead of three months, that's important. And you know anyone who's been around cancer is going to know. Like every day in in that last period, kind of has an a heavy weight to us of, of, of yeah. significance of, 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 you know, saying goodbye. And, but in the bigger picture, uh, in terms of analyzing the morbidity and the fatality of a disease, you can't confuse that kind of COVID kill as it were yeah. with the kind of COVID kill that happens if, 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 if a 50 year old contracts it and otherwise wouldn't have died, it does. So it's complicated. And I've been sifting through as many journals as I can New England Journal of Medicine, Johns Hopkins, Stanford, uh, the British stuff. You know, it's like uh, I'm, I, I still don't have any fixed views really, other than yeah. I think I think these are know, things to be cautious uh, of, and these these are things to look out for. Things
1: have not really changed that much since we actually talked about how bad the data is. There's been a lot more testing, which has kind of I think helped us a little bit to be a little bit sure of yeah. certain things, like for example, Iceland. The death rate is not super low but at the same yeah. time uh, but at the same time you know we we're, st- we're we're in flux and the thing about um, science as we said last time is it's a it's a long discussion until you come to a, a kind of rough consensus yeah yeah um, so there, there's something I want to talk about which is how uh, you know everyone's some people have Tripled down on whatever they believed beforehand uh, before this pandemic hit, and some people have done sort of complete reversals and uh, gone into, you know, gone in strange ways. So this this friend of I I was talking about from the Dominican Republic, uh, this American guy, he he is normally a pretty sort of uh, he's you know he, he believes in a lot of the causes of the left. Um, he's quite big in uh, he, he's quite a fan of America's. Uh, uh, Black Lives Matter movement, um, although he has criticisms of it he he still thinks that it's got a generally good message um, you know he goes in for he thinks trans rights are a big issue, stuff like that but yeah. uh, and he's also very opposed to the government of the Dominican Republic he thinks that it's corrupt, violent, uh, racist against haitians, a really unpleasant uh, regime and yeah. yet he said to me yesterday, you know I think that I'm pretty much a liberal in all things, except when it comes to um, pandemics. And then I'm a pandemic fascist. So he said that if he was to design a a constitution for his country, it would say, you know, you get all the rights and everything, unless there's a pandemic, in which case we turn into a total totalitarian fascist state. (laughs) And so I said to him, I think COVID in the end will make madmen of us all.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Dude, I'm so worried. I am so worried about this virus. I really think that... My, I, I think South Africa is going to be the second worst hit country in the world from this virus. We were having this discussion last night. Who's, who's going to get hit the worst? And I think... I, I don't think we're going to get the most deaths directly from the virus. But I think we're going to get the most deaths as a result of putting fascist confidence... The, that kind of confidence might be appropriate in America... You say to your mayor, you say to your governor, because it's quite federalized when it comes to managing this kind of thing, you know, I give, I give you the confidence to shut this down and manage this the way you want to manage it and procure the things you need to procure and order the companies to produce what you need them to produce. And I think there's a way that that can really work. And you see China, through China is a fully fascist state in that way, and they seem to have done, uh, after their first month of total, And an intolerable uh, screw-up, concealing information, denying that there's human-to-human transmission, even after their own doctors had contracted it from patients and so on. And arresting their own
1: doctors who reported this.
0: Yeah. After that month, they managed to deal with this extraordinarily well. I think it's going to be hard for a lot of countries to match that, but I think some will. I think America will outperform them because they've got better... Doctors, they've got better, you know, New York apparently has got like, you know, thousand, two thousand 2,000 extra ventilators after the 4,000 that were just ordered there. They, you know, they kind of have more ventilators than they know how to deal with. Uh, perhaps, I'm not sure, but I'm just saying, I can see how a lot of countries manage the lockdown and manage the health crisis uh, relatively well. And then I think, you know, I think we could manage the health crisis relatively well, too. Uh, I think because of HIV and AIDS, we've got a lot of doctors who really know how to deal with respiratory ailments uh, at, in quite an effective way. Three hundred thousand cases of TB a year in South Africa, new cases. Uh, so we've got pretty good capacity. If 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 uh, if the stars align, you know, I, I'm not saying that a few bad luck moments here and a bit of mismanagement there couldn't throw us off. But my worry is that. Giving our government fascist powers is going to—it's I mean, just they've, they've it's re- just not going to be unwise.
1: They've already overstepped on a whole bunch of things: uh, banning cigarettes and alcohol, kind of not with any particular explanation, just sort of. There's not no essential. science. Okay.
0: There's no science. There's no. It's just yeah. Yuck.
1: Uh, then and they've seemed to so far the impression I'm getting of the lockdown is that they're compensating for a lack of capacity because there really is there's not enough soldiers and police to properly manage South Africa's lockdown uh, with sort of violence and aggression. Um, yeah. they've already they're ordering websites to put the, uh, the by with sort of threatening you know the possibility of legal action on any website that doesn't immediately put a visible link to the government's um, proposals on. The government's website on COVID. So, uh, and you can see they've, you know, uh, Brahmapoor is out there in military uniforms. Uh, Everyone is wearing hats with revolutionary stars and them trying to look like Che Guevara or the ministers. Um, You you do get there's a little, like, almost like a sense of glee amongst some of the uh, more unscrupulous members of the ANC that uh, now we finally have gotten rid of anything in our way.
0: Uh, which is a yeah. bit concerning. The Constitution. That damn Constitution yes. has been holding us back from doing all this stuff, as well as public opinion and public uh, grievance against the Zuma last decade and all of the corruption. Now, all of a sudden, it's fine. And, you know, you can see it. Like data, you know, we have to force. We already had data price fixing before we went into this. And that data price fixing thing was such a hoax. It's like the government has – it's been the, the economic case for the government unleashing sections of the spectrum. Uh, to allow private enterprise to transfer internet information, basically just, you know, it's like between microwaves and x-rays or wherever it is. Like there's a a frequency after radio, but before you can see that, you know, you're not allowed to use until the government says you can use it and has an auction to sell that stuff off. And the government, like we've been, the, the argument has been so clear that it needs to do that for a long time. And then it ties that to like, okay, we'll do that if you allow us to do a little price fixing. To allow poor people to get better data access, which you know I'm not going to deny that our that our data prices have been pretty exorbitant uh, going into this, but a lot of that seems to do with the fact that we've got a pretty oligopolistic setup with the telecommunications industry. You know, three major companies, not a lot of uh, uh, competition, a lot of supererogatory costs uh, going as a result of you know BEE regulation, as a result of uh, minimum wage red, ta- all the kinds of red tape that you see everywhere else in the economy. Uh, that you know that we're, that we're basically like well intentioned uh, legislation gets used as a fig leaf for exorbitant extraction. And I covered a story about black line the the lines you call them black lines the lines that kind of go before your service provider to major hubs, and then it gets distributed for fiber. Uh, the The kinds of billions and billions of rand have just been completely lost and looted uh, because of 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 nonsense toprening. Anyway, so you've got all these problems. How do you solve the problem? Well, you get a bit of price fixing going. It doesn't really solve the problem. True competition would solve that problem. And now you've got more price fixing, uh, trying to trying to sort of instructions, many calls coming out for, Uh, data providers to provide free data or very, very, you know, below economic cost data so that you can have um, people getting access to government websites so that they can get more information so that you can have people getting access to learning facilities. So it's like very well-intentioned. You know, I can really see how great it would be for kids to be able to like hook in through their laptops or through their phones to online lessons. But it's all predicated on the thought that the people that are managing those costs and the people that are delivering those services online are not t- in on the take, are not, are not taking, uh, you know, kickbacks and extra side cuts. And that when the crisis is over, you'll then unwind those, uh, you know, you'll peel back the red tape again. And I don't believe that's going to happen either. So I, you know, I my scenario, my, my the scenario that seems most likely to me in South Africa is that we become the first satellite state of the Soviet Union, that the coronavirus <laughs> becomes the excuse that the, the ultra left faction of the ANC has always been looking for to turn us back into Soviet states. And I'm very worried about that. And I and I, and I'm not to say I'm not worried about coronavirus as well. But I I'm allowed to be worried about two things at the same time.
1: Yeah, we're we're really we're really in between a rock and a hard place right here, um, uh, because of this. Uh, I, I would I would like to say that actually uh, the reason of you know why data prices perhaps going up at a time like this um, can in some senses it does have some positive aspects to it. Um, if it was you know if we had a truly free market of data prices, um, I don't know if you've noticed, but the internet has been a bit worse over the past couple of days now I haven't read anything official on this, but I would not be surprised if there is extra strain on the uh, net- on some of the networks right now um, yeah. and one of the things that prevents that is higher prices so if you price fix and you know and you keep things low, uh, you're going to have overloaded networks, and then no one gets to enjoy
0: the wonderful yeah. internet rather than then you, some. Then you got shoddy internet, which breaks the lessons, which breaks the. I mean, I did a newsroom Africa interview this morning uh, about the Institute's uh, 100-page policy proposal on really good things to do at this time. Um, and sort of, you know, 10 minutes into the interview, we got cut off because the internet was too bad. And that's too bad. Yeah. no.
1: So, so not even the middle classes, uh, with their you know office jobs and their in- home internet, are able to actually fully escape the disruptions that this thing is causing now. I mean, yeah. Uh, so, uh, one of the, yeah, no, I, yeah. Go, go ahead, Nick. There's, there's, there's been some interesting things I've noticed. I'm getting a sense that COVID is really pushing. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's pushing governments to be more popular in most COVID cases. So, yeah. for example, Trump in the U.S. is now more popular than he's been, I think, at any other time in his presidency, basically. Um, uh-huh. uh, Boris Johnson and the Tories in Britain, they got, there was a poll recently. The Tories are polling at 54% support amongst the electorate, right. which in British that politics is just unheard World of. War II. Yeah. yeah, that's just completely unheard of. Um and it looks like the general trend is towards popularity, although I'm not sure if it's going to be the case in all cases. So uh, we were talking a little bit about New York, which is a city that uh, you have quite a lot of experience with. Um, so New York's Mayor Bill de Blasio is a guy who's famous for kind of uh, with certain groups for, for for breaking the the chain of reasonable mayorship that, uh, that New York had. Uh, Giuliani, Bloomberg, they were these sort of long running mayors who were very uh, quite popular and very uh, influential in changing the way that New York ran. Um, de Blasio seems to have also been influential, but not in a particularly good way. Uh, he ran for president this time, but no one noticed and no one supported him because despite being the mayor of New York, which is usually a very important and powerful position, uh, mm-hmm. he doesn't have a particularly good, uh, I, I mean, the the when he announced that he was going to run for mayor on Twitter, uh, the tweet saying, fix the damn subway, got more likes than his announcement.
0: <laughs> <just> I remember <laughs> you showed me that. Yeah, perfect, perfect summation of the de Blasio. Uh, he's also, I mean, he's really, he's, also, he's got a good look. Yeah, he, you know, he's, he, he's, he's, I, he speaks well, he's got this diverse family, he's got this interesting backstory, but in terms of like being a nuts and bolts delivery guy… Yeah.
1: and you must uh, experience the wonders of Chinese culture and you must show your support for Wuhan by doing that and you should go to restaurants. And uh, he then, as things began to get worse, he really kind of struggled to change his tune on things, even as it became apparent that uh, things were not, not going well in New York in particular. Um, at one point... Uh, just before the Governor of the State closes all the gyms and schools uh he's he's going to to gym um, after urging people to stay in their homes and not do unnecessary things uh he is photographed going to a public gym uh and when asked about this he said well i 'm not sick <laughs> um, he then mean,
0: uh, i mean that's that's not getting it
1: He kind of refused to close the schools in New York until the governor of New York is also from his political party, the Democrats. uh, We have to take more serious action. And allegedly, um, the mayor's top aides were furious and threatened to all resign if he didn't do different things on COVID, uh, which have been... Know, changes too but i think he'll be one of the few politicians uh who actually does take a big electoral knock from this he's not been that popular for a while in new york i think uh, it might see the end of his political career and i wonder if south africa after three weeks of lock where the government is super popular or they're going to be
0: like new york where de blasio is probably going to hide from an angry mob you see i expect i think that after three weeks south africa is going to remain the 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 President Ramaphosa is going to continue to enjoy a popularity boost from this. I think the ANC will continue to enjoy a popularity boost from this. Um, And part of the reason I think that is because of the Institute of Race Relations work. We do the best polling in the country consistently. Um, And we have found consistently that there is this like 80% of South Africa that's not really well represented in or not obviously represented in uh, parliament. Uh, because it's, you know, it's centrist, it's reasonable, it's it's quite conservative in a lot of ways, and for whatever reasons, hasn't felt like going to the DA. Certainly the DA didn't represent a lot of its values even two years ago, a year ago. Um, uh, and definitely, you know, a lot of values that are out of joint with the ANC and the EFF. Um, and I think it's those conservative South Africans who think, you know, here's what really matters, saving lives. Here's what really matters, doing what you're told. Here's what really matters, like keeping hygienic, keeping clean, keeping safe. Uh, I think those South Africans are going to see this lockdown, do see this lockdown as being a necessary step in order to yeah. avert the worst. And if if looting starts to break out two weeks into this. It will support any police they, response. They'll support police response if they see images of the police. I mean, I'm not saying that there's huge respect for the police in this country. The Institute of Security Studies finds that, uh, and and this is ratified by other polls that there's about a 20% confidence level in our police. Most people think the police are in on corruption; they're part of the problem. But I think the army's rating has got to be different because the army's so being out of our picture. And yeah. seeing a few army guys beat up some dudes on the side of the street, you know South Africans are kind of hungry to see someone get up, beaten up for doing the wrong thing.
1: Well, and as long I, as we I,
0: continue to be on that on that point, they're actually, being beaten up um, for the wrong thing. The confidence will stay. It's only if the I think the the change maker will be if they think politicians are profiting from this, or the army yeah, or the I, police.
1: I think I think that's a very good take. Um and, and actually on that point it's very funny because the, the first reply I saw to the Twitter announcement that um uh this journalist had been shot at was good, they must shoot her. What is she doing out there on the streets? Yeah. Uh <laughs> so but that was from a from an account of a guy who was a an ANC supporter. Um so there's clearly uh Yeah, you know, there, there is, I think, probably much broader support for this, even amongst people who are going to get hit hard by it because they like the yeah. the feeling of security and order that the thing gives. Uh, they know, you know, if you're poor, um, even though you might be worrying about where your next meal is coming from, you also know that if you get sick, it might well be the end for you because you're not going to go to Santon Medi Clinic.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Dude, I mean, we've got 25,000 murders a year, right? So. Yeah, Something like that, like half a million since '94. Our rape rates, our crime rates, home invasions. South Africans are so brutalized and there's such a hunger to see law and order. And this for many people will be the first time they've seen law and order since the dark days of apartheid when it was like order but not really lawful in the full justice sense of the term. So yeah. I think this really is scratching an itch that this country has been trying to reach for decades. And the long arm of the law has finally gotten to that that sweet spot and it's now scratching that itch. And I think a lot of people feel very satisfied with that. And I think it is good in itself. The problem is what it allows is yeah. a state no, overreach it's, it's- that doesn't go away. You know, potential of losing pensions. You see the SACP saying that now's the time for expropriation without compensation. You see Dali and Porfu saying, yeah, everyone's been complaining about the government. Look, now everyone's reaching for the government. Why do we need capitalists of those kinds? You know, this is a time when ideologues that have their hands on the levers of power also have the opportunity. Now they've got the biggest fig leaf. This is way better than any of the Gupta League's. Uh, any of the bell pottinger gupta white monopoly capital psyops that are spread into South Africa to kind of distract from ANC corruption. This is the best possible distraction from the National Democratic Revolution. And um, and, uh, again, this is not to say that I don't think COVID itself is a problem. It's just to say that we... Can't allow ourselves to be blinded by COVID. We have to do the necessary things. We have to boost our hospitals. We have to get respirators available. We have to I think social distancing was great. The lockdown probably is a good idea given our weak capacity. Um, uh, I'm not really fully tuned enough to know that for sure, but I think probably. But definitely we have to remain vigilant. Because we can, you know, COVID, if COVID has a case fatality ratio of 1% and 70% of South Africans get infected, that means less than a million people get killed by COVID. If you have uh, 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 an unleashing of the f- forces uh, of, of ultra-left Marxist race nationalism in this country, you will certainly have more than a million people die as a result. Because we are already, this country of haves and have not, because we have such a sort of precarious house of cards uh, economy structure set up. Four or three million people working in the informal economy, maybe four million people, you know, let's say four million kids on the brink of malnourishment, or already malnourished, uh, uh, an elderly section of the population that's entirely dependent on social grants that won't mean anything. I mean, by the way, one of the news stories of the day is that we got junked. But it doesn't really matter that we got junked because we already – Got past the stage where Moody's rating of our credit doesn't matter. Our yield, yeah. bonds are cheaper. Then they've been since 2002. They <laughs> became became uh, governor of the Reserve Bank. And frankly, I think a lot of it was racist at the time. There was this huge sell-off of South African bonds because they thought, well, Chris Stiles has stepped down. I've got a black guy. He's just going to print money like has happened everywhere else in Africa. And Titum Buweni did a really good job of checking those fears. But since that spike, and that also obviously came together with uh, Zimbabwe had just gone off the deep end of madness at the time. Since that, <laughs> since the Zimbabwe crisis compounded by, I think, a somewhat overreaction, of apprehending him becoming governor of the Reserve Bank because he did a great job. We haven't had such low yields. And so, you know, it makes sense to me that the Reserve Bank is buying our own bonds right now with invented money because you're buying them cheap. And if we deal with this problem properly, they'll get more expensive again. You can sell them more expensively. You can make money out of this. By the way, America made money out of its targeted asset relief program. Uh, you know there is a way that you can make money out of it, but my fear is that once you let the South African Reserve Bank start printing money, which is what it's done, like inventing fake money completely through QE, uh, you it's going to be hard to turn that tap off again, especially with LeSecha Kanyako, who was Man of the Year in 2019, saying, "Guys, we can't do quant- quantity easing in South Africa. Uh, we just don't have the right economy for it, and now we're doing it." Next time they come with that story of, you know, we need to nationalize the reserve bank, we need to change the mandate, it's going to be so much harder to resist that. And so I kind of feel like at this, at this stage, I feel pretty optimistic about the world. I think so many countries have gone into lockdown. I think they figured out what the problem is. Testing kits are being distributed. And, and I actually, think people are going to die. But I think on, on, we're going to have it. The only people who are going to have it worse than us are Iran, which is probably going to have a complete breakdown in government.
1: Yeah, no, I think I think that's probably a pretty pretty reasonable uh, 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 guess. Uh, and on, and on that uh, uh, thing about good news, I'm just looking here at the uh, the the way that the number of cases was growing, um, and it looks like in a lot of places in uh, the sort of developed countries of the world and the wealthy countries of the world. Um, things are turning around, at least in growth rate. So there's obviously, you know, more cases than there were the day before, uh, but the rate at which that is increasing is going down. So uh, New York uh, seeing a big drop, Um, uh, New Orleans, Detroit, Lombardy in Northern Italy, uh, they're all seeing drops here. And of course, Wuhan in China looks like it's, uh, if you can believe the Chinese data, um, looks like it's having very few transmissions now. and there's, there is some stuff we could say. I actually wanted to talk about um, false testing and and, and and mistakes in the testing kits, but we're kind of running out of time here a bit because we're coming up to an hour. So yeah. I, I would like to, to, to ask you, Gabriel, um, do you have anything for the listeners that they can do to take their minds off of COVID? Because I've got a couple of ideas that I think uh, might be quite fun. Uh, what have you been doing to blow off steam oh, is like, isn't part of it
0: I, okay. One of the things is imagining how you could take it, how if we were in the union buildings, one might take advantage of this crisis to push through the best possible hope for millions and millions of South Africans to do well? Uh, yeah. So if I was president right now, what would I do? I would be telling Shamila Batoy and everyone in the police and in the army and in the secret services and the intelligence services, right now you need a, um, I would fire Esma Khashule, uh, Uh, And three others uh, uh, from the closest inner circle. And I'd be telling my investigators right now is the time to prosecute, to open dockets, arrest them. This is going to be great. I would also sell ESCOM. I would coal-fired power stations, put them up for auction. I would liquidate SAA. I would liquidate about half of the SOEs that we have because there are going to be no strikes right now. This is the easiest time to stop strikes to stop sabotage, to stop a total crippling of the economy because guess what, it's already totally crippled. And by doing that in conjunction with boosted UIF benefits for the recently unemployed, boosted uh, social grants delivery, boosted like healthcare services, boosted like army delivery services, and, uh, you know, kind of infrastructure redevelopment programs to come afterwards. I think we could come out of this crisis sort of by 2022, look at 5% GDP growth, be on the track that we were in the mid-2000s and that we should have stayed on uh, looking to grow from there. So that's one thing to distract yourself is like, how could this be great? Another thing to distract yourself is chess. I'm teaching my nephew chess. and Oh, yeah, I am that's watching-
1: an excellent
0: idea many 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 uh videos of uh kasparov karpov capablanca uh magnus Carlsen, uh the greats, mikhail tal i'm loving it and i listen to it in <laughs> russian accents and every time i hear uh pawn to e4 i then i think now i've got 20 minutes of happy time uh, very good uh, Unique yeah, for so you. i
1: haven't been doing I haven't been doing anything as intellectually stimulating as that. What I've been doing is discovering more about seals and walruses, which are actually fantastic creatures. Um, They are (laughs) wonderful. They're delightful to look at. They make incredibly good YouTube videos, um, just recording them. They make interesting sounds. Uh, Seals are very cute. Walruses are very amusing. So if you really want a distraction from the rest of the world, go and look up videos of walruses and seals, and you'll be delighted but walruses look kind of gross. They do look kind of gross, but they also look like with, a you can with them. <laughs> and they, they make an, all sorts of interesting noises. They've trained walruses, which are actually very intelligent animals, uh, to whistle, to make the sound of bells, to sort of make uh, strange sort of grunting noises. It's, it's actually just fascinating. Uh, and also they, they can fend off polar bears. They are so blubbery really? and thick that a polar bear's teeth can't properly penetrate their skin unless they're <laughs> quite young.
0: <laughs> I? Okay, I give it to you. Walruses are interesting. But I was kind of put off when I was a kid and I watched like a documentary about the walruses. And I learned that like the big male walrus is so much bigger than the female walrus that sometimes when he like, uh, tries to impregnate her, after he's finished, he's like so satisfied with himself that he falls asleep. And you can fall asleep on top of the female and then like suffocate her to death. Okay, so Which sounds like that's the worst that's like the worst word. To go.
1: So that is terrible, but it's also <laughs> the funniest thing I think I've ever heard in my whole life. <laughs> it's so cool. <laughs>
0: um yeah, like, no, Evolution I think, really I didn't think... figure that one out. Like, this is, that's not like the spider, like the female spider eating the male spider, like, who's just trying to, like, come help her lay eggs. This is like way, somehow it's way <laughs> <to> more than
1: No. <laughs> so, so, yeah, exactly. That's, that's just this one laziness, of many wonderful
0: things. Pure laziness. Okay.
1: <laughs> one of many wonderful things people can discover. Oh, and one more piece of good news: uh, South Korea has become, I think, the first country in the besides China in the world to have more recoveries than uh, new cases uh, of, of COVID.
0: So right, man, being, right maximum testing, maximum like social isolation. But their social isolation is is like mainly self imposed, right? Not that much of it's been government yeah. lockdown. They they
1: all wear masks. Uh, there's extreme amounts of like they've, they've been, they hit, they got hit by the middle Eastern respiratory syndrome thingy, which was really bad. It was much, much worse than this thing. uh, Uh, they got hit by, yeah, they got hit by SARS. And so they've basically, I think it's become culturally completely ingrained that you just, you don't spread disease. You wear a mask whenever you can, uh, you test rigorously, you keep away from people who are, who are plagued, um, and they've actually tracked people with cell phones. So you get an alert on your phone when someone near you is um, is infected, and so everyone knows to keep away from them. So there's you know.
0: Dude, not, and not just the way to remind out, you, just just before you get too excited about like South Korea super rich. It is super rich, but like uh, you know, its GDP was like lower than Kenya 40 years ago, right? So yeah. The, yeah. The, the,